If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Today I'd like to introduce you to Wendy Barker. Wendy in the past has been an eventing and show jumping rider and coach, but now she's focusing on dressage. So she's a dressage specialist, competitor, trainer, coach and coach educator. And as well as that, Wendy's an FEI International Para Equestrian Dressage Judge and also a National A-Level Judge. And we'd like to talk to her as well about some poles and cross-training that she does. How are you, Wendy? I'm really well, thank you, Glenis. Thank you. Great. How's the weather over there in Western Australia? Is it warm? We're pretty lucky. We're having beautiful riding weather at the moment. So good. lots of people getting in lessons before Christmas while the weather's good. <laughs> <laughs> yep, getting ready for next competition season. Mm. Wendy, what's your favourite quote? I have lots of favourite quotes. My most favourite would probably be de la Guerriniere, some guy who lived some centuries ago. Mm-hmm. He invented the shoulder in and his quote is, every lesson should begin and end in shouldering. That may be a paraphrase, not a completely correct quote, but that's the idea of the quote. Okay. I haven't heard that particular one before, but I certainly know that, you know, shouldering is a good training exercise. So, um, yeah, hopefully someone picks up something from that. Yeah. Wendy, Mm. when did you first start with horses? Do you remember your first memories of horses, riding, anything at all? Yeah, look, I didn't come from a, a family who was interested in horses or had any knowledge of horses, so I just sort of got in any little contact with horses that I could at every moment. I always went the long way to school at both schools in Perth and in Mumbai <laughs> that I went to. I would always go the long way around, so I could always pat a horse before I went to school every day and just begged and borrowed rides whenever I could. But I didn't really start my serious riding career until I'd finished university when I actually could afford to yeah. keep my own horses. So I did sort of ride borrowed horses, various horses that taught me lots of different things before then, but um, just start having proper lessons that didn't really start until I was 21. So, okay. And I sort of thought, oh, it's too late. I'll never really probably get that far. But, you know, it's one of those sports you can keep doing for a long time, which is great. So there's plenty of time to get those 10,000 hours of practicing. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And did you keep going then right through university or did you ever have a break? Well, I I have a number of postgraduate qualifications that I've done since then, but I just did a degree and a dip head and then I went teaching. Okay. So I did four years and then I've just found through my life if I... If I work for a while, then I start to feel like I need to do some study again and then I'll, yeah. I'll have a break after that. And then mm-hmm. so I have to sort of keep coming back and doing something else and I think it's important to keep your brain kind of, you know, stretched oh, a little bit. Definitely, so, definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wendy, if someone came to you and said that they were looking for staff, looking for someone to work with horses, what sort of person would you be looking for? You know, what sort of character traits would they have or what, you know, if you're going to recommend someone to work for them, what sort of character traits would they have or core skills? I guess depending on what kind of horse work they were going to do, if they weren't going to be riding, mm. you'd still need some of the same characteristics as you would want for someone who wanted to become a full-time rider. But I think in every case, patience is really important and yep. observation. If you're going to be a really serious rider, you mm-hmm. need to have good reflexes and you need to have excellent coordination. I had someone years ago say to me, oh, I've brought my daughters for riding lessons because they're not very good at other sports. They're not very co- coordinated. And my heart sank <laughs> <laughs> because you need to be so coordinated to ride horses well. <laughs> yeah, so coordination is important, but okay. commitment is also important. I think, you know, a lot of people have got a fairly long way through commitment rather than natural talent. And obviously those top, top riders, the Isabel Vets and the Charlotte Dujardins of this world and Carl Hester, they have both. They have enormous commitment, but enormous natural talent. But you know, mere mortals can get a long way just through dedication, really. Yeah, yeah. What about people who've helped you along the way in you know, your sort of horse journey? Have you got people who've mm, helped you? I've got a number of people and it's difficult to know who to put at the top of the list, really, but... Harry Bolt has been an enormous help for me over mm-hmm. a number of years. I have to say I haven't really been in a financial position to see him much this year, but he's helped me a lot with a number of horses and his knowledge is just so unbelievable and extensive and he just he doesn't need to say much to give you something that really can help. So he's been fantastic. Edgar Lischfark, who unfortunately passed away with cancer some years ago. He was an enormous influence on me too and he brought his knowledge from Germany and he'd come from a multidiscipline background but I would drive two horses up from Albany seven hours up and seven hours back for clinics with him for many, many years and Mm -hmm. in in the end I guess one of the reasons we came to Perth was so that I could it was easier for me to have help from him. So yes, he's been a, a great influence and more recently, Di Jenkins has also been fantastic help to me over many years. Christopher Bartle, I've had help from here and I've had help from in Yorkshire and he, I just love his, the intellectual approach that he brings to the whole sport and I use, I use a lot of phrases and ideas from all of those people. And then, you know, in local terms, Nettie uh, Merriweather has been a terrific influence as well over the years. And again, she has lots of great ideas that you can bring to your own teaching. Mm-hmm. And a good friend of mine helps me now, and that's Chris Thompson. She's my eyes on the ground, and she's terrific. She's often there for me at a show to just help me before I go in because I'm one of those people who tries too hard and gets a bit intense, and it's really nice to have my friend and eyes on the ground there to help me. So, yeah, they're probably... There's probably some other people as well, but they would be probably the major influences. Wendy, what about horses? Have you got horses who've influenced you? I know you've got a couple that you'll probably want to speak about, but can you tell us about them? Mm. I was extremely lucky very early in my life to buy for not a lot of money a horse who had really done no training at all, but he had just the most wonderful trainability. His name was Carrie Park Huntsman and He was a wonderful eventer, very careful and very honest horse and a wonderful show jumper as well. And we sort of jumped C and D grade when C and D grade was enormous um, (laughs) in those days when there was a lot of money in Sir Bill Bingham and Suzanne Bond and the Connells 
put a lot of money into show jumping. And he was also a really talented dressage horse, which I didn't realise early on. And then Margot and Harry Bolt said, he will go Grand Prix. And Edgar said, he will go Grand Prix. And he could just do everything and had this fantastic brain. And I just thought, oh, this dressage isn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. (laughs) (laughs) And I must have never had a horse with quite that trainability since. So I miss him desperately. I had him for 12 years and had fantastic time with him. But he just taught me so much. He was a wonderful, wonderful horse. That's good. Good. What do you think your proudest moment's been? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I can remember an early goal. My early goal was to get over 55 in an elementary and I sort of achieved that, surprised myself and achieved that much earlier than I thought I would. So I had to reset my goals. And I guess that's the great thing about dressage. You can just keep on setting new goals. And sort of a, a more recent goal was a horse who's quite a tricky horse temperament-wise, hot, sensitive sort of a horse. He didn't have a good star. It was Ellis Brook Lorenzo. He took a long time to not be frightened in the warm-up at competitions and even to not to be frightened at home in, in my arena, which is a bit spooky. But he um, eventually he went to into one competition and I, so I was really thrilled the first competition he went to and got 60% because that was a goal that I didn't actually imagine he would ever achieve yeah, early yeah. in his career. So that was terrific. And he could actually do all the Grand Prix work. As Carapac Huntsman could, just I didn't have it all together enough to be able to go out and ride a Grand Prix test on them, but they were both wonderful horses to teach me about riding Grand Prix movements, which was wonderful. So getting that 60% in into one was a great achievement. Yep. yep. Um, and you've still got Lorenzo? I have still got Lorenzo. He's just a bit of a schoolmaster now. He's okay. not quite up to sort of working FEI every day of his life and competing, but yep. he's just a joy to ride still, and he's really nice horse for other people to get a feel on. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So yep. he's, he's a good boy. That was one. Another goal, which well, was a more recent goal this year, was to get 60% in a Grand Prix test. And I, I finally achieved that with a judge who I have a great um, respect for, and that's Kerry Swan Bates, who's now an FEI three-star, and I'm sure will be a four-star before too long. A wonderful rider, trainer, and judge. And mm-hmm. um, to get 60% from Kerry was a fantastic achievement, and that was on the lovely Ellis Brook Hermes, who I didn't start, but who I have sort of taken to Grand Prix this year. And that's been a wonderful goal that I always hoped to achieve and never thought I would. So, <laughs> yes, good. I've been very lucky to be able to realise some of my big goals. All right. Now, I'd like to ask you about a common, you know, because you are an A-level judge, so you're out there, you're judging. I'm sure there's been times where you think, oh, if I could only give this person a lesson on how to improve their their scores, what do you think the most common, No, it's not really a problem, but most common time where riders almost throw away marks, you know, and then how can that be fixed? I think um, it could be two things, really. It depends a little bit on the, the level I'm judging, if I'm judging some sort of pelium novice type test might be one thing. If I'm judging FEI, it might be another. But certainly, unless you're judging those internationals, and I have to say, judging international paras, the best international paras, there is nothing you can tell them. They are just doing an amazing job. But for those of us who are more mere mortals, I think it's probably the, having a better outside rein, having the horse more on the outside rein and being less dependent on the inside rein. Mm-hmm. Certainly, if we're talking about those people who are prelim novice and 
hoping to get to elementary, often suppleness. And we see that when the horses get to, to elementary, if they haven't got that suppleness in their novice work, they really will find that elementary work quite difficult. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, two things, I guess, outside range and suppleness. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory and the practical components can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Okay, thanks. All right. And then what sort of exercises would you give them? You know, if you're coming in then from going from a, a judge to a coach, what sort of exercises can you get a rider? I mean, because for a rider who's always ridden on the inside rein, they don't have the concept of the outside rein. What's a good exercise to get them to get the concept of the outside rein? Well, I think we can't go past Carl Hester, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Carl would say, use the leg yield. And um, I watch him and Charlotte using leg yield at international events at Aachen, at Hartbury and at other European venues. Yep. And they just use leg yield just before they go in and do a Grand Prix test. And I use it a lot myself and I use it a lot in the training because it improves the suppleness through the back and it improves the outside range. So it's it's a great fix-all and I think it's a great thing to do in the warm-up. You know, like mm-hmm. the shoulder in it might not really start with a shoulder in, but often a little bit of leg yield can help to get the horse better in the back and better into the outside rein. Okay, okay. And I think that's a good tip too for our listeners. So it's going to fix both the outside rein problem and the suppleness, yeah. Mm, All right. Now, I know you've been doing a lot of work with poles and you know, for cross-training the dressage horse. Can you talk to us about a couple of different exercises you'd use with poles and when you'd use them? Well, there are there are just so many. There are so many different exercises you can do and it really depends on where the horse is at. It also depends on whether you're trying to get the horse to just be more calm and relaxed and focused on the rider, in which case you'd use quite simple exercises you might go from one pole and I see inexperienced people going from one pole to two poles big mistake because horses then get quite confused should I jump this or should I Mm -hmm. step through them so you should not go from one to two you should go from one to four so it's clear for pause so something really simple like that Uh, if the horse is the opposite you know they have been around a bit and they're finding 20 metre and 15 metre circles in trot and canter a, a little bit uninspiring then you might use some quite difficult exercises for them and again depending on their balance and their level of training you can do something simple like put a 20 meter circle with a pole on each tangent point at each quarter of the circle and ask the rider to canter over that you can make that quite simple by just asking to stay on the correct canter lead and stay in canter Mm. um, Mm. until Mm. they can get a good spot to each pole or you can get them to start counting and counting over four poles might be too difficult for some people they may need to start just with say one on each center line and just count because not counting the stride over the pole is a challenge for less experienced riders so you can play around with that and then you could make that a bit smaller um, really experienced horses um, have a Grand Prix horse and we played around with doing that in counter canter. Now that was a really good exercise to keep him interested. Mm. So counter cantering a 20 metre circle with four poles, quite difficult. So you can make these things 
very simple or quite difficult. So that would be one example. There are lots of others where you can make a box with four poles and four hats in each corner and you can canter a 20 metre circle around that. You can thread through between the corner hats and the poles and make it a 15 then come in and do a half 10 or a full 10 inside the box. You can play around with doing that on both reins and trot through on straight lines, say down the centre line or across the EB line using the poles just as trot poles. There's many, many different things you can do just setting up one exercise if you're just setting it up in your own arena just for yourself. Mm-hmm. And a bit of an introduction, you know, you talk about cross-training for the horses but also for the riders too, you know, just to get them thinking about something else as well. Look, I think, I think it helps a lot with accuracy as well. If the rider's having to learn to count in, mm-hmm. because I did quite a lot of eventing and show jumping, I could always count into a point. So it helps if you have to make a counter halt to do a rain back or something in a an yes. FBI test or yep. just a tot halt even so that you actually get as accurate as your horse can be given his level of training. You can't adjust a novice horse into a halt in the same way you could adjust an advanced or a pre-St. George horse into a halt to make the halt right at the marker. But it can certainly help with accuracy as well. Mm-hmm. And that always gets you that extra mark in the test. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Okay, Wendy, what do you think your biggest challenge has been? I guess for me the biggest challenge is time because I have a full-time job and I coach and I ride and I um, do my own stables and I judge and I travel as well to judge and coach. So, you know, just fitting everything in and just being efficient about things is uh, either that or win lotto so I can... (laughs) <laughs> someone come and give me a hand. <laughs> Having three horses and a full-time job mm. is, it's a stretch. It's a mm-hmm. stretch sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And I know you've got a library full of books. Have you got one in particular that you'd like to recommend? Oh, I could recommend so many. And, and over the years I've had a, a different favourite, but apart from the German National Equestrian Federation Principles of Riding, and advanced writing, those two amazing mm-hmm. yes. books that everybody should have on their shelf. One that perhaps not so many people would have would be a book by Artur Kotash, who is a wonderful Austrian trainer who was the head writer at the Spanish Writing School of Vienna for a very long time. And I've seen him over, I think, 35 years. I've watched him there work for a week with the horses. And uh, his book just has so many wonderful little nuggets of wisdom in it that um, some of which have what's, what's the name of the book? In my training. Yeah. The book is called Kotash on Dressage. It's K-O-T-T-A-S, Kotash on Dressage. And it's a beautifully appointed book with magnificent colour photos of his two daughters riding beautiful okay. horses okay. perfectly. <laughs> good, good. Well, I'll um, yeah. keep my eye out for that one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wendy, what are you looking forward to? Well, I have an exciting young horse. His mm. name is Ellisbrook Da Vinci. I brought him from Germany. I flew over and rode him over there in January when it was bitterly cold Yes, <laughs> a couple of years ago. And he's like so many horses who come from Europe. He really was only familiar with an indoor arena and always had other horses in there with him. So it's been a, an enormous culture shock for him to come to Australia and have kangaroos and gum trees <laughs> waving in the breeze right next to his arena and 
Yeah, and riding on his own a lot of the time because I don't have anyone else's horses here, only my own. Mm. So, yeah, he's been an interesting project. He's a beautiful moving horse and he's got the talent to get some super marks. His best marks were in a young horse class and he got 79.8% mm. from the judges. That's good. But he, he could get more marks if he was just a little more confident. He's just not mm-hmm. a terribly brave horse. But I'm hoping this year that he will just be that little bit braver each year, a little bit braver, and I'm hoping to do some good, get some good scores on him this year. Good. So here's good. my project for the, the coming year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wendy, can you just sum up your philosophy into a lesson today for our listeners? Again, probably there's two things that I would like to say, and one is that with horses, if you can use collaboration, not confrontation, you can get a lot, lot yep. further. And that's not to say that you should let horses do as they choose, but you have to find the middle ground so that you keep the trust. And that's something Edgar Lischbach used to say all the time. Trust is such an important ingredient with horses, and it's two ways. that You need to trust them, but they need to trust you. And the best way to get a horse to trust you is to be very consistent to have one rule book that you use, whether you're riding in the bush or you're riding over jumps or you're riding in the school doing a test or doing some training. So Mm -hmm. if you can get that trust, then hopefully you can use collaboration to progress your training rather than confrontation. Okay, good, good. Okay, Wendy, how can people contact you? I do have a website, which is www.com. Alice Brook Training Centre, and I have a Facebook page, which is a public Facebook page as well, which is Alice Brook Training Centre again, or they can contact me on 0409 Oops, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so my mobile is never too far away, so you can always give me a call if that's how they want to contact me. Okay, and those contact details will be on your page at Horse Chats as well, which will be horsechats.com slash Wendy Barker. Perfect. Okay. That sounds good. All right. Thank you, Wendy, for talking to us today. I particularly enjoyed the um, the exercises that you, you did with the poles, and hopefully people can use poles and a bit of cross-training for their dressage horse to help them improve. Thanks very much for the opportunity to talk, Glennis. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.